This is the John Oakley Show podcast. We've entered this challenge in a very strong fiscal position. Canada's balance sheet is the envy of the world, and it means we have the fiscal firepower to respond. We're now prepared to use it. COVID-19 is an extraordinary challenge that requires an extraordinary investment. Well, all right. Uh, that's Bill Murnau, the finance minister, earlier today, announcing uh, an omnibus assistance package and uh, we'll try to unpack as much of it as we can with our panel topics worthy of discussion for pizzaville dial pound 3636 on the line ernie eves a former premier and finance minister in the province of ontario how's ernie i'm great how are you john likewise thanks for joining us and dan moulton senior consultant in crestview strategies toronto office a liberal strategist and media commentator dan how about you i'm well john i'm very well good uh both are obviously social distancing and uh, which obviously is, as it should be. Uh, I'm already keeping my distance from you today, John. Well, it's not just not just today, Ernie. Uh, <laughs> as I've noticed, of I was late, actually just thinking, can we do this every week? Is this is this a new Wednesday tradition? Just be away from you as much as possible. That'd be great. Well, if you're thinking it's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> Don't wish for those prophetic words to come true, because uh, we got to get out of this mess. And, you know, by the way, uh, I'm guessing that, you know, the virus is our enemy. As we talked uh, here recently with John Turley Ewart and other people, uh, including the former U.S. ambassador to Canada, Bruce Heyman. Uh, And until we really wrestle this thing to the ground, uh, it's the linchpin that informs all this other stuff that's going on that's uh, so unsettling. Does it require maybe... uh, Dan, let me start with you. Uh, more draconian measures. Somebody was saying earlier today, John told us, they ought to shut America down. Uh, the ambassador was saying, well, you know, there's still people out there having coffees together and congregating together, like San Padre Island there south of Houston where uh, it's spring break. Everybody's cavorting like it's business as usual. The message ain't getting across. You think we need more severe restrictions on domestic travel and uh, groupings and so on and so forth, Dan? Well, look, I don't know about what Americans are being told or how American public health officials are handling this crisis. Um, Clearly, they're not communicating enough. Clearly, they're not convincing people uh, that they need to stay home, that social distancing is the only way that we don't end up like Italy. I think Canadians are responding to this exceptionally well. And I think, uh, to be frank, it really had a lot to do with the fact that last Thursday, uh, the prime minister's wife and the prime minister himself ended up needing to socially distance and self-isolate. Uh, to different things, obviously, but that I really, I, I think, sort of in immediately changed the mindset of Canadians about how we had to respond to this issue collectively. Uh, I think we're doing a remarkable job distancing ourselves from one another uh, to help stop the spread of this virus or slow the spread of this virus as best we can, and I think it seems to be working so far. Now, how long this is going to go, that, that's the question that's on everyone's mind, and uh, I don't think anybody has the answer. But I know that our, our public health authorities and I think Canadians coast to coast are doing everything they can uh, to help keep our, our more vulnerable population safe. All right, Ernie, how do you feel about that? And then we'll get around to uh, the Bill Morneau package announced earlier today. But, uh, you know, are we really serious enough? Are we uh, tackling this thing with the full fortitude of the Canadian public? I think most people are. Mind you, having said that, I heard earlier today that... Uh, 
one local bar in Toronto had a St. Paddy's Day gathering of 30 or 40 people. <laughs> Obviously, they weren't paying attention or listening. And, of course, in the States, uh, on TV today, I saw all kinds of spring breakers on, on Clearwater Beach in Florida. So they're not paying attention. But I think the overwhelming, I agree with uh, Dan, I think the overwhelming majority of Ontarians and Canadians are trying their best to uh, do the social distance thing. One little small pet peeve I have is that I'm watching all these press conferences by different governments, and almost none of them are adhering to their six-foot rule. Why is it necessary for everybody to cram in shoulder to shoulder, side by side, to make it look like there's more people that are concerned? I don't know what the – but you're trying to – tell people what they should be keeping their distance, and you're not doing it yourself. The only real person I've seen do that properly is the premier of New Brunswick, Mr. Higgs. He's always done it, and he has other people sitting at the table with him, but they're clearly at least six feet away. Yeah. Well, well, you know, we're creatures of habit, and these things die hard. We uh, don't process that information. It's like the woman last week who was imploring everybody not to touch their face. She's licking her fingers, turning the pages. I mean, <laughs> irony of ironies. Uh, what do you make, though, of, uh, and this, Doug Ford was congratulating the Prime Minister on this move, the cross-border travel restrictions. Uh, but the question, and this was brought up by the ambassador, what's essential, what's non-essential? Dan, any idea? Well, I think tourism is obviously not essential, right? I think anything that would require you to cross the border uh, for anything other than an economic reason is obviously not essential. People should be staying home. We've heard that from the prime minister. We've heard that from public health officials. That's non-essential travel. But obviously, we have to keep our economy going. We rely on trade across that border. Uh, Both sides of the border rely on that for, for a fact. And so we need to make sure that we've still got the open flow of goods, trucks going back and forth. It is necessary to our economic functioning. And All right. so I'm glad to see that the Prime Minister and, and the President were able to strike a deal that achieved that goal. All right, but when you talk about economic activity, Ernie, uh, a carpenter in Windsor, has got some work in Detroit. Does he not get to cross the border? Well, yes, they talked about that, actually. They talked about, well, not a carpenter, but they talked about healthcare workers, many of whom, some of whom live in Windsor and go to work in Detroit every day and vice versa, I suppose to some extent. So I think you have to make allowances, especially for healthcare workers. But I would agree with Dan. I mean, trade is essential. There's a billion dollars a day, roughly, uh, back and forth with, with the United States by the province of Ontario. That That's a huge, huge part of our economy. And so I think we have to try to keep that open as long as we possibly can. Hopefully, we can keep it going. But I agree that there's no need for people to go back and forth to do shopping for tourism to go to florida or do whatever it's just not you know the the main objective here is as you said uh, social distancing and to contain this terrible virus as much as we possibly can all right let's get on to bill morneau's package that was announced earlier today uh there's a lot in it, and I don't know if any highlights struck you. I mean, uh, everything from emergency care benefits, uh, that if you don't qualify for EI, you can draw 450 a week or 900 every two weeks for 15 weeks based on a simple attestation. Don't need a doctor's note or anything like that. Uh, the emergency support benefit, uh, $5 billion for those who want to stay home and help out. Uh, I mean, it, it really, across the board, the thing, I guess, that struck me was for small businesses, there's going to be a 10% wage top-up for the next three months for employees and 25000 per employer. Dan Moulton, is that going to be adequate? Because I had some folks on recently saying it's not enough. 
Well, I don't think that anything that the government announced today is going to be quite enough to address the, quite the scale and magnitude of this crisis. But they're also responding to it in the early days. And I think that the one interesting thing that this government has done was they chose to respond uh, most focus, in a most focused way on supporting the individual Canadians that have been hurt by this, uh, by this crisis, that are not able to show up to work, that don't have paid time off, that don't access benefits like employment insurance, uh, to make sure those people are kept whole, that they have the ability to economically withstand what's happening in the immediate term and address their anxieties. I think we have a much bigger economic project uh, to undertake when it comes to the forthcoming stimulus packages. But what we saw today was an aid package. It was a relief package. Uh, we're going to see stimulus packages coming uh, down the road, and I think that'll better help to address the economic anxiety that a lot of businesses are facing. Ernie, on that matter, uh, look, uh, more liquidity in the market. We understand that. Uh, I guess the total package is $93 billion, but the, the uh, direct assistance $27 billion. Elsewise, you've got uh, $55 billion in a tax deferral. Still going to have to be paid back, but the filing deadline for persons is June 1, and paying back is the end of August. Uh, do you think that, uh, look, that's sort of a, a Band-Aid solution for now and other things projected out as a moratorium on student loans for six months? You can get a mortgage uh, deferral as well. Uh, speaking, as Bill Morneau said, to your banker, uh, he's talked to the bankers and said they're willing or amenable to that kind of stuff. These are all pretty good uh, in and of themselves, I guess, for the time being. But where did they miss the mark or where could they have done a better job? Well, you know, I, I mean, tax deferrals and all that stuff is great, but people really need money. They have to exist. Um, I don't think the $27 billion is nearly enough in terms of direct aid. Uh, the, I know why the government has picked their particular programs, at least I think I do, because those are programs that already exist. So it's easier for them to get money to people by using those particular programs. And I get that. I understand that. But I would agree. I heard Catherine Swift uh, earlier. You know, the 10% for small business uh, employee, employers to make sure that their employees are kept employed isn't nearly enough. I mean, other countries in the world are doing 70, 75, and 80, as much as 80%. And I think that's where we're going to have to go. And I don't know why we would wait to go there. Uh, you don't want small businesses laying off all kinds of people if you're going to ultimately go there anyway. Well, are you saying that? I, I, I think you have to protect the people, again, that are most vulnerable. And there are a lot of small businesses that really can't afford, A, to undergo three months or two months of, of no business and still keep paying their employees. And often that's their biggest line item in expenditure. So what you're saying is, uh, basically, as much as we want to paint this package as a necessity, it's still a half measure or a three-quarter or whatever the case may be. Well, look, I give the government credit for, for moving ahead. And, uh, you know, when they initially talked about a billion dollars, I thought immediately that was way too little. But they are getting there now. But I still think the $27 billion is a is not anywhere near enough. How do you get money directly to people ASAP? Well, they're trying to do it through, you know, the programs they already have in place, such as EI and, uh, you know, child benefit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know what the other program, how they're going to get the other monies to people directly, like I'm thinking well, about check. indigenous people, et cetera. Um, governments don't usually have a great uh, 
bureaucratic record of getting money to people in a timely fashion. You know, Dan, when you said mail him a check, uh, it's interesting because John Turley Ewart, who was on before you guys joined us, was saying the same thing. I mean, even if, uh, you know, you misfire on certain uh, people, you know, just get the money directly to them. Mail out a check based on what criteria again? Well, I think it's going to be, look, it's going to be the world's largest uh, basic income experiment, right? I, I, we're certainly seeing the White House go in this direction Already, you're marking a trillion dollars towards a relief package that is largely going to involve mailing every American a $1,000 check. And I, I, I think this needs to be income tested in Canada. I think we have to be a little bit more thoughtful about this. Uh, we've got to ensure that money is actually ending up where it needs to go. I think, to be fair to the government, what we saw today was the first step of what is going to be a very long process of shoring up our economy against uh, this threat. This is unprecedented, right? We have not seen an economic uh, uh, threat like this, uh, certainly since the World Wars. And, and, and I would say that for them to understand exactly how to predict where the economy is going or how this threat's going to unfold would be impossible. And so I think we're seeing a first step here, and we're going to continue to see that roll out over time. And I do think it's going to involve mailing a lot of Canadians a check. Ernie, is there any risk of the economy or the global economy collapsing? Well, I mean, we've, we've seen this before, not to this extent, perhaps, but we've seen this with respect to recessions, the Great Depression, of course. We've seen it with respect to economies during the, the wars. Um, but this truly is unprecedented. I mean, you're virtually hitting every country around the world at the same time, and it's uh, it's not conflict between human beings. It's conflict trying to fight a virus that we don't know enough about. Um, you know, we're scrambling as much as we can, and we're doing as much as we can to get there as quickly as we can. The only thing that I would disagree with what Dan said is, you know, why do you have to take five steps when you know you want to go there in the first place? So why don't you just take the five steps right now? I mean, I don't know why you would announce a 10% program if you know you're going to end up at 75%. It's just going to you have to give small businesses certainty and those employees that work for them certainty. And you can't just do this day by day or week by week. I understand that the situation is changing hourly, certainly daily, but if not hourly. But if you know you're going to have to go somewhere, go there now. I think too much is much better than too little in this case. Opening the sluices at both ends. Guys, uh, let's come back. There's more to unpack from Bill Morneau's assistance package announced earlier today. Uh, whether it's adequate in certain respects or not, uh, we'll continue to unfurl the flag, see if anybody's saluting. I mean, we do live in these extraordinary times, and uh, if Ernie's right on that, we ought to be taking more extreme measures. Uh, let's pursue that even by sector. In a moment, we'll get to it. Ernie Eves, Dan Moulton, topics worthy of discussion on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.